right there, governors. Welcome to episode 17 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I'm going to preface this even before I introduce my guest by saying that if you don't want Man of Steel spoiled for you, just put this away now. Just stop it. Just go and see the film and then pick this up later because... Seriously, spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers. Anyway, uh, welcoming into the pretend virtual studio of parlouriness that I've created is the delightful Steve. Hello, Steve. Stacey, hi. Hello. Um, Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I should apologise on air, as it were, she says, doing air quotes, for being uh, an actual spaz at technical stuff just now. (laughs) (laughs) We've spent a good 25 minutes going, no, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? It was great. It was like... um, (laughs) It was was like uh, the... um, the days of using mobile phones about 15 years ago. It's fantastic. It's like, I can hear, can you hear me? Oh, it dropped the call. Let and me then just dangle my face out the window. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Helpful. Um, well, you're not a stranger to the world of podcasting, so I like to think that this sort of thing happens all the time and it's not just me looking massively unprofessional. <laughs> oh, the, the hearing each other tends to be okay, but there have been a couple of occasions when my broadband connection has totally sucked. And... <laughs> Oh, there's been two episodes that it really affected of, un- of, of unanswered. Um, one of them really early on actually became a feature of the show because, <laughs> the, because the call kept dropping out so goddamn much. But yeah, I mean, when you're right in the middle of something and then you can't hear the other person and then the call dies and it's just like, oh God. And you're furiously writing stuff down and you're staring holes in the router going, get your goddamn act together. <laughs> and Because um, there isn't any, you're, you're totally... You're totally helpless, totally powerless. You've this little bastard's flashing little lights at you and you can't do a thing. Yeah, sure, you can turn it off and turn it on again, but it's not going to guarantee you anything in regards to a quality of connection. You just know sometimes that when the thing's going to crap out on you, that's it. You might as well write the whole evening off because it's going to keep coming on and then going and then coming on and going. And you think, oh, no, hang on a minute. I've just got enough time to, I don't know, download a podcast or send this email. And nah, nah, got other ideas. It's not going to happen. So um, so you're not bitter at all towards technology then? I love it when it works. Yeah. But isn't it amazing that when it doesn't work for for like, it doesn't need to be very long at all. It can be like seconds. And if it doesn't work, the blood starts to boil. It's like, God damn it. It's supposed <laughs> to be reliable. This is like, this is the future. We're in the 21st century now. Shouldn't we have flying cars by now? <laughs> um, I would not trust a flying car, guys. I'm just going to put that out there. Or flying car drivers. Um, mm. Have you ever read the webcomic Wobble by Jamie Smart at all? I have. Don't you just like, there's, I, I put some of those up around my desk in the office just to cheer me up when I'm having a bit of a, you know, computer-based hissy fit. And there's a brilliant one where Wubble's going crazy at his computer screen because it's just frozen and he hasn't been able to save it yet. And, ah! and then he goes into a room that's just covered in jelly and he punches this jelly until he's not no longer frustrated and he comes out and he's like, oh, I can just do it again. These things happen and he's all mellow. And I'm like, God, I wish I had a jelly room. <sighs> Wouldn't that just be an amazing, I mean, it's... It's the friendlier, more sweeter smelling and definitely edible padded room that we're all looking for. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much I'd want to eat after other people have been hanging out No, there. only your room. <laughs> oh, that's all right then. No, It'll that's only fine. be your room and ice cream on tap. Yeah, I like your style. I, <laughs> I'd subscribe to your newsletter. Um, anyway, uh, getting completely off topic already and we've barely even started. Would this you... might be a theme. It did... <sighs> 
this is theme it's a theme with all of my episodes it's like hey um do you remember that time when we had a you know a topic hey let's get back on it um would you like to tell people a little bit about your podcast okay i can do that hello everybody i'll wave at the people at the back just in case they can't quite make me out i'm over here because <laughs> that works in audio apparently you should see me i'm just waving at nothing like an idiot um, uh, do you know what i am um, i had thought about sticking the little webcam thing on again just so i could like stare at you but then i thought well that's no because as we've ascertained my face looks like a peanut on, a chili peanut on a chili peanut on a <laughs> webcam and it's it's not good <laughs> oh god Anyway, sorry. Podcast. I tend to look best in the dark anyway, so I think it'll probably work out audio oh, only. Oh, faces for radio, then, I know, right? Um, yeah, okay. So I work on this fun little podcast um, with uh, Nicholas Papaconstantinou, who was a guest of yours, I think, on episode three. Um, oh, was it that long ago? It was that long ago, yeah. Wow. And Nick also does the Monkey on My Back podcast as well, the Momcast. Um, and it, uh, the, the podcast that we uh, make is Unanswered. Um, it's been running for 12 episodes. We started off in November last year uh, with a big rush and then tried to do an episode every fortnight. But because uh, of the way that we record it, uh, it was making it incredibly difficult to edit it within two weeks. So we've gone monthly. But um, it's, um, oh God, to try and explain it, um, it's just too guys chatting right two friends chatting i've known nick for uh 11 12 years something like that and we pick a topic we try um to um not really do a great deal of research and just talk about it as we as we feel fit you know talk about it quite freely on the show uh, the last one we did was a fence we've done stuff on fear of flying on obligations at christmas on cities <laughs> on being a fan all sorts of stuff uh, but we just like hone in and focus on like one thing every episode and just see what comes out and sometimes the conversation goes on for an incredibly long time then i try and edit it down to like 50 minutes or an hour or something like that but um it's been lots of fun to do, actually. And surprisingly, even though at the time you kind of come out at the end of you've recording, you go, oh, God, I don't know about that. By the time it all comes together in the edit, it sounds pretty cool. And um, a few people have said they've liked it. And that's good enough for me. <laughs> this is why I'm glad I have the, um, the, the lay missed account on Podbean because I don't get stats. I don't get listener stats because, I, you know, I have to upgrade to get those. And I'm like, that's good because if I knew how many people were listening, I'd probably be all like, oh, no, why is it only 10? Oh, <laughs> and just panic about it. Why Whereas, would you pay for disappointment when you can get mystery for free? Exactly. I prefer mystery. It's a lot less, you know, realistically slapping me in the face with... <laughs> garbage numbers <laughs> oh dear anyway that podcast do you know what i'm i feel really bad about this that i did a little did a little sneaky uh, research on you before we started recording as i am want to do with my guests and um not and as like, creeped out by that hey this guy does a podcast because i didn't know that before which made me feel a bit bad and then i was like hey <laughs> uh, i can't find out where this lives and i couldn't find where your podcast was at all so uh, now that i know what it's called that's going to help yeah, it, it will make a big difference. Unanswerdpodcast.wordpress.com. Okay, I'm going to make it my uh, my mission to listen to at least one of those so that I feel less bad. And then, hey, maybe I'll like it and listen to the rest. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Anyway, because I'm so kind and yes. um, and lovely and you know delightful and stuff. Uh, oh, hey, here's my trumpet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would good like trumpet. to. It's a good. Uh, do you know what? I've never been really able to play the trumpet, so you know, 
should probably stop tooting my own. I am going to hand it over to you to uh, talk about your first item of pop culture, what you want to talk about. <laughs> now, before before I delve too deeply into, I think probably the first thing I've decided I'll talk about, because like I don't have much of a list, is I think, I can't be sure, but I think one of the motivations for thinking, I really need like a podcast or something i'd had an idea to do a podcast for a while i think i think i need like a podcast or something to promote because i want to be on stacy's podcast <laughs> just like gassing about pop culture stuff and i didn't really i didn't really think about what would actually happen if i'd been on a show and I've, I've i've listened to stuff and you know talking about comics i'm like wow they really know their stuff and i don't read those comics and oh i don't know and i started to wonder if i had to hand in my my geek card i wasn't entirely sure what we would um because like there there are some points where we cross over and then there's other stuff where it's just like man i'd have to do so much reading up to sound even remotely knowledgeable about that but i think i think I've got something that we can both talk about. Oh, okay. So I, I, I will try this on you. Um, and that is the next generation of gaming consoles. Okay. I don't know how much of a video gamer you are. I am uh, I'm an armchair video gamer in the sense that I really like... I'm very good at puzzle games and things like Rock Band and, and yep. stuff. But I'm shit at basically everything else. But I like to watch other people play them. So like, I've seen my mom complete every Zelda game. Wow. Uh, and I've watched That's a cool mum. My mum's pretty awesome. My nan's <laughs> my nan's a badass. My nan's got a Nintendo DS, guys. How cool is my nan? My nan does that thing though when she's playing the Nintendo DS where if she wants Mario to go left, she'll start sort of leaning to the left and all of a sudden her DS will be in your face as she's <laughs> just leapt halfway across the sofa to try and jump mm -hmm. something. You're like, calm down, nan, calm down. Um but yeah, I'm not very good at I mean, Rich has pre ordered the Deadpool game for for me for the end of this month, and I'm mm. under no illusions that I'll probably play that for about ten minutes before I go, Rich, I killed Deadpool somehow. Help me. <laughs> down the stairs <sighs> terrible uh but yeah i do like video games so if that helps this conversation <laughs> it does it does now obviously in the in the last episode of the parlor rich was in the background playing scott pilgrim he was indeed yeah so you get to you get to see him play some stuff too all the time if it's the scott yeah. pilgrim game i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a guess it's an xbox 360 it is indeed <sighs> but, but he also yes. has a ps3 and why not um, that was mostly because I did not know what to buy him for his 30th birthday and went, uh, 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 I'll just save up loads of money and get PS3. Yay, job done. Was that like um, the first Blu-ray player you guys had as well? Yeah. I was See, a that solves a lot of problems. Yeah, exactly. I mean, almost as soon as he got it, I was like, hmm, what films can I buy? <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff, though. Oh, have you ever watched Scott Pilgrim in Blu-ray on that damn beautiful thing? It's amazing. Do you know what? I have not. I, I, I saw it in the cinema and um, loved it, but um, I, I don't have it in my collection yet, which is a bit criminal. That is a little bit. It is, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, God, this is recorded. And if this is actually criminal, I've just basically <laughs> confessed. Not good. Shocking. Yeah. Um, but, oh, my word, Blu-ray makes stuff look pretty much delicious. It I mean, does. it's weird, isn't it? It's like, because... DVDs weren't bad at all. No. Like, once you made the transition from VHS to DVD, it's like, hmm, this is pretty good. I like this. And you could, like, pause it and frame advance, like, gory bits and Robocop without worrying about wearing out, you know, a knackered old piece of magnetic tape. So you're doing a good job there. But, oh, God, when you move to Blu-ray and it's like, oh, 
It is pretty glorious. That is so lush. <laughs> it really is. The, the crazy thing about Blu-ray, though, and this is like a real nerdy thing, the crazy thing about Blu-ray is why do you need to put this stuff on so many discs? Yeah, if what? Thinking like a TV show or, or whatever, it's like, why on so many discs? Because each of these things holds, like, so much stuff. Like, I don't know, 12 DVDs worth. And you're just going, oh, yeah, here's a, yeah, a, a three or four disc Blu-ray set. Mm, what? <laughs> I'd never really noticed that. But then again, I think all of the Blu-rays that we've got are all films. Yeah, you're so. right. Well, yeah, I'm actually, thinking about it, I'm pretty much... Pretty much everything Blu-ray here is films, except for Psychoville, um, oh. uh, series one and two. I have that on Blu-ray. Cool. I like that. Great, great series. Yep. We've really um, gone off topic again. Which we, I think this is going to be the theme. I sincerely think we're just going to we're just going to keep deviating. You, you'll be you'll be lucky to talk about anything. Um, yes. <laughs> so okay. So you know you know the deal with Xbox 360. You know the deal with the PS3. I do. I do. Did you have a preference between the two? Did you sway more towards a PS3 because of the uh, the Blu-ray? Well, the the Blu-ray certainly helps. I I personally am a bit torn between the two because I like the uh, the the Blu-ray obviously of the PS3, and also it's stuff like the YouTube app and things on there are a lot easier to use than the one on the Xbox. Oh, but mm-hmm. but the but the Xbox has Rock Band. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, there's that. It's like my favourite game. And I'm totally badass at it. So, you know, yeah, there's that. Have you got the full kit, the full rock band kit? Yeah. <laughs> never, I've never played Even, Even the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my favourite thing. Oh, I mean, man, I'm, I'm shit at it, but... Yeah, I haven't I haven't played a full rock band setup. But um, I, always, I always felt myself... I mean, I play the guitar and stuff, so I'm used to that. And play Guitar Hero, so I'm used to that. But I always always found myself like a secret drummer. Oh, I, I would... Really like the idea of thumping some plastic drums. I would really, really like to be good at the drums on there, but I absolutely cannot get my foot to do the pedal whilst my hands are doing other things. <laughs> it's really weird. It's like if you were to just give me the uh, the actual like drum parts, I'd be fine. Mm. As soon as you start throwing that bass pedal in there, I'm like, uh, uh, what am I doing? And just like <laughs> banging things and crying. <laughs> That's not how you're supposed to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the first time. Uh, help me uh. <laughs> yeah it was a uh, it rich actually tricked me the once into uh we were playing rock band and we sort of when we have these little rock band parties we sort of like everybody swaps around instruments every now and again so we all get a fair go mm-hmm. and it was my turn on the drums but we always let the singer pick the song because i think it's more embarrassing to not know the song if you're oh, the one trying mm-hmm. to sing it yep. uh, so rich picked this song by i think it was the new pornographers and i said to rich how difficult is this uh, drum line as it were like and he went oh no it's it's not difficult at all <laughs> so i went ah fuck it i'll whack it on hard then see how i go and it just no was a mistake was a huge mistake (laughs) so the 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 singing in rock band and uh, sing and all the rest of them it it doesn't have to be pitch perfect but it it, is it kind of measuring whether you are 
raising or lowering the pitch, even if it's not in key. Is that how it works? Or do you have to like be a really good singer? You don't have to be a really good singer. Uh, what it does is, depending on which level you have it on, it has mm. like a, a bracket of how close to the note you can be and actually score points if that okay. makes sense and so yep. the harder it goes the smaller that sort of bracket is <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you're going to play songs on expert you better be a fucking good singer mm. <laughs> uh, which none of us are <laughs> <laughs> i think i think you're right though it's only fair to give someone a, like a song that they feel like they can sing or they know pretty well yeah i mean because uh, we... otherwise you're letting your team down yeah, exactly. I mean, we always, when we have it as a, like a little party type thing, we're usually quite drunk. So we always have it in no fail mode, which means that even if you don't play anything, you can still carry on through it the whole song uh, without them booing you off the stage. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I just get embarrassed. Like I, I get embarrassed when I'm singing anyway, because I've, I've got a passable voice is what I like to call it. It's like I can hit notes, but you wouldn't necessarily buy an album of me, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so like I get a bit embarrassed when I sing anyway. So the last thing I want to do is come to a song that I don't know the tune and I don't know the lyrics and I'm just going, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Um, and again, crying. So, <laughs> um, what were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, the 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 next generation of consoles. Just um, there we go. Because I think that from from where from where I'm sitting, I am a more infrequent gamer now than I've probably ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. I was almost I was almost completely out of this current generation anyway. I've got a few consoles. I kind of went through this um, period where I was buying kind of the tail end of the last generation because they were cheaper you know so you could just like stock up on stuff oh you know here's a game that i always want to play and now it's only like 8.99 second hand so it's a great way of kind of like massing the games you've always wanted to play without being a a sucker for the full price stuff Mm -hmm. so at the moment there's um a nintendo 64 still got one of those uh sega dreamcast um gamecube still got um ps2 um i'm on i'm actually on my second uh ps2 is it one of the fancy slimline ones it isn't no it's one of the old brick ones and that one's finally given up the ghost and i can't decide whether i can be bothered to fix the the uh the disc tray or not um what else is there there's um a wii jane mom's wii and an xbox 360 which a, a a very good friend of mine um got for me for my birthday a few years ago um because i Played Xbox around his place all the time. He's like, oh, you'd like it so much. I don't get you one. He's a very nice guy. He's also a, D- uh, a DJ, so that explains the, the, why he could afford it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we don't all go around buying massive gifts for each other because that would just be ridiculous. Because then you'd fall into the trap of like, oh, now I've got to top the, the one before. And before you know it, you've bought someone a small island near Greece, <laughs> uh, which is no good. But um, I, I got to kind of the PS3, Xbox 360 kind of generation and i just thought i think i'm okay with what i've got i've got so many ps2 games that i've only like barely played or need to complete or you know i haven't even started that really i don't feel a burning need to have any of the new stuff i could just happily play what i've got but then this xbox 360 turns up and it's like oh oh yeah it looks nice doesn't it (laughs) and i got i think the first two games i got with it were wwe legends of wrestlemania Nice. and uh ufc undisputed nice and they were cracking i have to tell you they were pretty cool and uh, yeah i was a sucker then i think 
Um, so I've got a few in the collection. You know, I haven't gone crazy. I haven't really bought many of them brand new. Um, again, a lot of them are when they're reduced or or secondhand because because I'm such an infrequent gamer. It's I, I, you know I don't go through them quick enough to be hungry for the next new thing. So yeah, okay, that kind of makes me sound like I'm perhaps not the ideal gaming consumer <laughs> anymore. To be honest, the guy in his um, well, I'm 34 next week, and um, I can't. I, I just can't put the time into it anymore. I feel like um, I feel like there's other stuff that I should be I should be making, you know. But again, massive deviation. What I'm getting to is the fact that I don't think gaming knows, or I don't think the console makers know anymore exactly who their customers are. I don't know if you've really caught a sniff of what's been going on with the PS4 and the Xbox One. I don't know much about the PS4 aside from the fact that somehow Rich has already pre-ordered one. But I have heard things about the Xbox One that seem bizarre and confusing oh. to mm-hmm. me. Um, like, for example, I mean, this is totally in layman's terms as Rich had to explain it to me because when people talk about technical things, I just totally zone it because I ain't got a clue. Um <laughs> But apparently there's some sort of feature on the Xbox One where to play certain games you have to have an internet connection and, you know, uh, attached to other stuff on the internets and things, which means that if you ever want to play them sort of well into the future and that connection no longer exists, well, you're fucked, aren't you? Exactly. <laughs> it just seems like a really ass-backwards move. Like, do you remember how nuts everybody went when they, uh, they announced that you you know certain consoles weren't backwards compatible i think it was the ps3 actually everybody went mad well i can't play i can't play my playstation and my playstation 2 games on the ps what the fuck's the point Uh, in the xbox one apparently you can't play xbox one games on it in the future (laughs) it's like what what that makes literally no sense yeah, it is not future compatible. It's it's a very uh, fixed in time. It's a fixed point in time. It really that, is. That the doctor can't change. This is this is a console that you will be able to play for approximately twenty three hours, fifty nine minutes, and that's it. <laughs> the most expensive day of your life. <laughs> it just. I mean, it already pisses me off enough that seemingly every time we switch on a console, some sort of update has to be downloaded before we can feckin' play anything. Um, but yeah, that just seems. And that's worse on the PS. That has been historically worse on the PS3 as well. Yeah, like, it is. Complaining like, oh god, these, you know, this gaming update is half an hour to download. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it is pretty terrible. And then, and and a lot of the time, it happens with a game you've literally just bought, and it's the first time you've put it in there. It's like, how oh, can yeah. you update this when you've never even seen it? Oh, you just get really. Well, feel sorry for the for the for the very few people it appears who bought the Wii U because the first thing that happened. When you plugged that goddamn thing in, was that it was like, oh hi, yeah, glad that you bought the Wii U. Oh, you're connected to the internet. Brilliant. Um, give us an hour. <laughs> See, Update straight away. I was not even slightly interested in the Wii U when they mentioned it because I got so excited by the prospect of the Wii, and I think I've used it about ten times, maybe tops. You and everyone else, I think. Um, I, the the longest I played that game was when they brought out that Turtles game uh, that coincided with the CGI film. Um, okay. And I don't know if you ever heard the, the story of uh, the insane glitch that almost drove me mental with that game. <laughs> Tell me. Essentially, you have to use the, the controller attached to the nunchuck and the um, the nunchuck you use to move the turtle around and then the, uh, the controller you use to like brandish your weapons and hit the shit out of things with it. And um, so I'm running around, and every now and again my turtle just sort of crouches 
in this protect in this sort of just sort of protective style as though he's about to pounce but he doesn't pounce he just stands there and i'm going move fucking move mate fucking move <laughs> and um and this kept happening and it wasn't just when i was you know casually strolling around looking for you know the next piece of this puzzle or whatever it was happening when the foot soldiers were beating the shit out of my face um it also happened in a level where you have to sort of climb up these things that are receding like receding into the walls and i'd be like on this platform oh all of a sudden i've dropped into a crouch oh yeah yeah this receding platform's just sucked into the wall and i fell to my doom awesome uh so i was going basically bonkers every time my nan thought it was the funniest thing in the world just watching me shouting at the telly why are you being such a fucking twat you turtle prick and um you know stuff along those lines as it turns out when i went on the internet to find out why the fuck it kept doing this it was if you did not hold your nunchuck dead straight oh my that's what it did and it was never in the instructions to put your turtle into a crouch, tilt this. So there's like literally no indication in the game that that's what you can do to crouch. So it, just, it was just the fact that my hand wasn't fecking straight. Oh, I went ballistic. Because by this time I'd actually finished the game. So I don't know how I fucking managed it. <laughs> also, I don't know why I didn't look this up beforehand. But, you well, know, yeah. there's that. Uh, but yeah. The red mist comes down. You're not, you're not thinking straight. You're angry at the yeah. game. You, there isn't a rational part of your mind thinking, well, I need to go on game FAQs to see what's going on here. Yeah, I just, I just, a lot of the time, just threw everything down on the floor. Ah, oh, fuck you, I'll play it later. <laughs> just, ugh. Um, but yeah, I rented, the um, I rented, I'm going for a quick deviation. Um, I rented uh, a few years ago um, TNA Impact for the PS2. Buggy <laughs> as fuck gang. Really? Yeah. Horrible, horrible, hor- I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to remember it because it was about four years ago um horrible control system it, it it you needed to hold down shoulder buttons and do combinations in order to perform moves it was way too complex but um it was it was put together in a rush and you would find clipping issues and like your character or the character you were fighting would just sort of like fall through the ring and then you couldn't <laughs> like get back onto the canvas or anything oh absolutely crazy so and yeah you got like, like and, got mad. <laughs> and then everyone else you know you, you go oh my god this thing is so buggy it's so badly made and they're like no you just can't play it properly <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> yes because of course i meant to fall through the ring what yeah because yeah, yeah. that's a thing that happens <laughs> that games. was my goal <laughs> there's this oh, excellent dear. um excellent youtube video of i think three or four people um doing an online multiplayer of wwe 13 and the whole thing bugs out to the point where the character models start deforming, like points on the character models just start like moving further and further and further away. Ooh, it's creepy. the freakiest, freakiest looking creepy. thing you'll ever see. I um, um, I made the mistake once of reading an article on Crack.com. Oops. Yeah, which was like, hey, watch these te- top 10 clips of like weird video game bugs. And some of them were just funny, but a lot of them were genuinely creepy. Like, I don't know if you've seen the one. I can't remember which Sims game it was. But mm. there was one where if there was a certain glitch in the game where if your character had a baby at a certain time, the baby would be born with uh, adult arms and legs. <laughs> And it was like the fucking creepiest little like octopus monster thing you've ever seen. Oh, it's oh, horrible. Cow. Oh, it just looked like the stuff of nightmares. It's <laughs> terrifying. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think this episode's going to be called episode 17, but anyway. <laughs> I think so. So, <laughs> so where are we again? 
um yeah so i i just i don't i don't know what they're playing at there was always i mean the we sort of had a good idea in the in the fact that let's not get into this nerd race of being the fastest best most things on the screen sort of console let's just find something that like people want to play and makes us feel like that you know we're not creating generation after generation of couch potatoes which is fine but as you've already said there are problems with controllers that you can't just rest on your lap yeah for any length of time you know you can only play if 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 you're like swiping your arms around or having to hold them in particular ways you can only play games like that for so long before your arms get tired mm-hmm. Unless... or before you end up smashing bits of furniture well, yeah, or you end up, you know, breaking your own TV screen. As... I um, I did smash a friend's light fitting, wee bowling in his house. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Vigorous bowling action. Yeah, I did buy him like a bottle of whiskey afterwards to say sorry, which I think is a fair trade. I think so. So, you know. <laughs> and so the Wii, the Wii U comes along and it's sort of, you can use all your old stuff and everyone's thinking like, okay, that's great. You can still play Wii games on it. Okay, that's useful. Thanks very much. Um, and here's this giant controller that's like the size of an A4 pad, and it's got a screen on it. Okay, that's weird. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the point of view? <laughs> some of, some of it's a good idea because there is that there is that kind of frustrating thing that doesn't necessarily happen when you are uh, a, a, a teenager with a game console in your own room, or you're a student and you've got a console in your own room, or you're in a perfectly tuned relationship where, like, you both like exactly the same games. But there's there's this sort of benefit where, yeah, okay, fine. One of you can watch something on the TV and I'll just play a Wii U game on this pad here. That's kind of useful. Mm-hmm. But it's still an awful lot of money considering you could have just had a DS <laughs> and, and you know, had a really similar experience. Um, or, you know, an iPad or whatever. But I, I don't know. It was sort of it sort of had a whole lot more in the way of gimmickry. And yeah, fine, it caught up with how the Xbox 360 and PS3 games were looking like, but it just didn't seem like an attractive enough proposition. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they've already... <laughs> they weren't really winning or, or, or losing because they're playing a different game, but it's like they've lost already because it's like, <laughs> how do you come back from that? Apart from over the next two or three years, issuing Mario games and Mario Kart games and Donkey Kong games and Zelda games up the wazoo just to keep those people who already like that stuff buying the new console and the new games, right? So that's very strange. And then the Xbox One and the PS4 come along and essentially under the hood, they're exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So unlike Super Nintendo versus Sega Mega Drive, you're not going to be arguing over Mode 7 or the Super FX chip or, you know, which one had the had the the cooler games or which uh, which console had blood in its version of Mortal Kombat or any of that stuff. And now it's really about this these weird sort of supposedly value-added stuff. They both want to take over your living room. They both want to be that one box. And I don't know how many people... I mean, it's convenient, as you found, to have the Blu-ray player right in there. That's great. Mm-hmm. You don't need two boxes for that. That's cool. But okay, now so we can uh, have our Love Film accounts, our Netflix accounts on there. We can watch YouTube, buy stuff, you know, rent things. Somewhere in there you can play games. <laughs> and gaming is, is, is a really awkward point now where it costs so much to make this stuff. Mm-hmm. So many people involved, so many man hours involved because the technology gets better. You have to work harder to keep pushing the limits and, you know, the textures and all the amount of polygons you can throw on there and all this kind of stuff. We want to emulate the real world. So much effort goes into them. These things cost a lot of money and they have to sell for a lot of money. And so a lot of the imagination sort of drips out. So you can buy stuff on Xbox Live Arcade or PlayStation Home and they're kind of the cool little idea stuff. But the real things that are driving the industry are just like shooters. 
driving games, same stuff, same stuff. So why do you want to buy a newer console to play exactly the same sort of games? I was going to ask you actually what these two new consoles are offering over the Xbox 360 and the PS3 to make because I don't yeah. this is the thing that I don't understand is when they announce these sorts of things literally everybody I know is like pick a side and pre-order one <laughs> and it's like no wait what does your Xbox 360 still work yeah then then, then why <laughs> why are we why are we doing this <laughs> i don't i genuinely don't understand it um i personally would be quite happy to just keep going with that. i mean to be fair we are on our third xbox uh because it mm-hmm. keeps red ring of dooming us mm-hmm. Same um, problem here. so i think if that probably happened again i could see us maybe upgrading to an xbox one but i don't know whether we'd just keep with the ps3 now but they just they just updated the xbox 360 so this is like the fourth i think the third or fourth revision so you if you went to get another one it would be like a a whole new case and they've probably shrunk some of the stuff inside so it'd be even more reliable and wouldn't overheat and all that stuff so you could i mean if you look at um if you look at what sony did with the with the playstation it's like you can still buy ps2s they supported the PS2 and there were games being made for the PS2 for years on. So there, I guess I guess the thing that you can do by taking the backward compatibility out of the new console is extend the life of the old one and keep selling the old hardware. Uh-huh. And that's probably the reason why you don't get backwards compatibility support in the newer consoles because they know that they can keep making the old ones and selling those at higher margins than they ever did before. It um it still really bothers me with the Nintendo DS that um because me and Rich both bought a DS when they first came out so we had the the big the, the, re- one. the really big chunky clunky mm. looking one and um it, almost immediately they came out with the fancy pants slimmer one with the colours uh, and then there was the X the, the um. 3DS, 3D, 3 whatever, and all that bollocks and uh, and you literally cannot buy any. Uh, stuff to go with the original um, DSs, like you know the cases and the old chunky styluses, and and it really pisses me off because I think, well, I was with you, I was I was with Nintendo from the off with the DS, and now you've just you've just you were so me quickly over. abandoned. Yeah, so quickly abandoned for this this slimmer model, ugh, which really upsets me. But I am um, I just I just wish it wasn't so fucking expensive to be a gamer, like. I see these games coming out and I think, yeah, I want to buy that. But because, I mean, like you, I'm because I'm so bad at games, I don't think I've completed a game in my life. And it's actually on my list of things to do from 30s to finally fucking complete Ocarina of Time without asking my mum to do the Water Temple. <laughs> I just don't see why I should be forking out like 40 quid. Yeah. <laughs> to play a game that I'm probably going to spend about six hours on before I go, Rich, help me. It's like a, it's like um, it's like a tax on keenness. It's like a tax yeah. on 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 saying, oh look, I got it straight away. I've got to and say that's, that that's, I that's am really. That's if you can afford it, but oh, you don't. Have, I mean, all all you need, all you need to save money is patience. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy though exactly that Rich has uh, that Rich has pre-ordered Deadpool for me because I know that I will be all over that game like White on Ross. Even mm-hmm. I, I know I'll suck at it. I know that I will, and I know that even though Deadpool's got regenerative regenerative powers, I will somehow make him dead almost immediately. Um, <laughs> but I'm just so excited. I mean, one of the achievements on that game is to slap Wolverine ten times, which <laughs> it just yeah, I'm I'm down with that. <laughs> 
Because like, I just kind of wish there was a console that like lasted 20 years and just did everything you wanted it to do in that time. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, no, we've got an upgrade. We've got an upgrade. Oh, no, we've got a slimmer one. Oh, this one does 3D. And you're like, guys, leave me alone. I have no money. I think those people who still like have hung on to their like 16-bit consoles or have bought them in car boot sales or mm. off eBay or whatever have got the right idea because a lot of those games are always fun to play and... You know, yeah. the only thing you have to worry about is not being able to plug it into your TV anymore. We had a duck hunt tournament uh, a few weeks ago. have to say ago, that carefully. Especially because my mum listens to this show. <laughs> um, and she does not like that word, as I discovered when I accidentally dropped it in front of her once. Um, the word. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love the NES Mm. I would happily play Super Mario Brothers for like a really long time. Except now I know where all the fucking warp tunnels are and I can't help but go there and then I finish the game in like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I've done level one. Now I'm in world four. Woohoo. It's like, what? How did you get there? Anyway, are you gonna yeah. are you gonna are you gonna invest in one of the shiny new consoles? Oh, you see, I could be swayed in the passing of time, but right now I am happy with what i have um happy exhausting whatever i own there's a lot of the older stuff that i've got i really need to get rid of i'll probably only be able to sell them in bundles for like 20 or 25 quid or whatever but you know i i'd be happy just to sort of settle down with with what i've got left on the um xbox 360 and and be okay with that the xbox one the 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 confusion that microsoft has brought forward with this console is really i think affecting a lot of people's initial decisions on which one they're going to get Mm -hmm. um it's like like you were saying it's like okay so um you've got this xbox one fantastic uh you can you know do all sorts of great stuff on it maybe you can play a game on it if we let you <laughs> um if you can you can buy a game and and you can play it uh, as long as you have the internet and as long as you're allowed the uh the box to call home you know every day no, not too frequently you know it's not going to take too much of your time oh and it's got this camera we're going to put the camera in the box as standard and that's got to be plugged in at all times too and even if even if your box is like in standby mode the camera's going to be watching you and listening to everything you say and <laughs> while i don't believe that there's anything malicious in that it's still um, kind because, of weird because frankly who can be fucked to deal with all that data <laughs> seriously <laughs> oh you've got these xbox ones with the little connect cameras and everyone's going oh oh i forgot to get the milk or whatever it's like there's, there's not going to be a massive listening station in redmond washington where everyone's going all oh, right okay so xbox user smiley face 44 has forgotten the milk well, and then there's an ad that comes up for milk the next day or something. I don't know. That that would be it. Listening for advertising purposes, so it can bring up a little pop up next day. Oh, don't get your milk. Your local Tesco Express is only point uh, six miles away. See, um, I find it really creepy that Facebook does that. Oh, you see, I I I am so not on Facebook. I am. I only really go on it to post pictures because I'm a bit of a photography. I mean, I'm shit at photography, but I enjoy it. So I am often either looking at other people's photos or putting up pictures myself. Um, but I find it really frustrating that, like, I mean, not long ago I did a, a Google search for a knee support bandage because I've just took up jogging. Okay. And, hold on, I've just taken up jogging. Yeah, that's more grammatically correct, isn't it? Splice that in. Um, <laughs> and uh, the following day, there was a little advert on the side that was like, hey, want to get into jogging? Get all your jogging here at Gear over here. And I was like, 
Oh, creepy. I beg your pardon, Facebook, get out of my brain. <laughs> uh, so weird. And it did it with diet pills too. And I wasn't even looking those up for myself. I was looking that up for like a work-based thing. We were trying to like <laughs> compare side effects. And it just came up, hey, you want to lose some weight? What about XLS Medical? And I was like, oh, what are you doing? Leave me alone and stop judging me. That is creepy. It's pretty creepy. creepy. So, yeah, the um, I don't know. I, the, the, PS, the PS3 had sort of stumbled on the starting blocks by having a high price and kind of flinching on whether there was going to be backwards compatibility or not. And that sort of stuff right at the beginning of a console's life can make a lot of people think twice. And I think Xbox One is probably falling into that trap by not really giving anybody any clear answers about what you can and can't do. You know, can we um, can we lend our games to a friend? Oh, yeah, sure, but you might have to pay a fee. Can we buy secondhand games? Oh, we're talking to retailers about that. You know, it's it, the console will allow you to play a game, but it really does seem to be there to serve the interests of entertainment providers and being this sort of entertainment hub that you can play games on. And I just don't think a lot of people are thinking about Either, either of the two big gaming consoles as en- as like entertainment hubs first. Yeah. I think this is the thing that I find a little bit bamboozling in the sense that if I want to buy things, I will go on to my computer. And most people who are going to be buying games consoles are going to be the kind of people who own a computer or a laptop mm. or a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like, I mean... We do sometimes use the uh, YouTube feature on the PS3, but that's mostly because... I mean, we do have our PC connected to our telly as well, so we can watch stuff <laughs> from there. But it just it's just a bit more... It's like a, a bit, slightly better definition on the PS3. Um, but I would never actually think, you know, if that PS3 broke, I wouldn't think, oh, crap, am I going to watch YouTube now? It's like, yeah. it's, not, it's not what I think of it as a games console. And the fact that... I mean, okay, with the PS3, it's a bit different because it is the only means of playing Blu-rays in our house. Sure. Um, but, you know, I don't think of it necessarily as anything other than a games console, so I don't understand why it's becoming such a big selling point that you can do all this other shit on it that you can do on all the other gadgets you've got in your house well, already. Here's the thing. They're, 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 they're battling over the TV. Everyone's fighting over the TV, and it's like, well, the trouble is, is that the TV is fighting over the TV anyway. I mean... <laughs> It's a ter- it's a terrible terrible habit. I I fall into into it a little bit. I try not to fall into it too much if I really want to pay attention to something. But let's be honest with ourselves. How many times are we really 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 watching something on TV? Because now we've got laptops in front of us, or we've got a, a tablet in front of us, or our phones. You know, there'll be a program on, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is pretty good. But I'll just see what's happening on Twitter right now. My <laughs> eyes are not dedicated solely to what's on the tv mm-hmm. so it's like it's already it's already losing a battle with where our attentions go so it i don't know it all, if they had done this fight five years ago or, or even if they were pioneering some of this stuff i think it would be more enticing than it is now mm-hmm. and you know I, we've spoken about this a long time and 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 i know that you're desperate to talk about man and steel and i really want to hear about it <laughs> okay um but it's <laughs> <laughs> um i just I understand that you can do more with these games consoles than just play games on them. There's, there's, you know, there's clearly enough capacity in the machines to do that, and you know, lots of streaming content. So why not? But um, at the same time, it's like you start to appear to be a little bit confused about what you'd like to be the most, mm-hmm. 
And I think a lot of a lot of people, this is me kind of just guessing what people think, but I think a lot of people still think of these things as gaming consoles first and foremost, and you've got to get that shit right. And I think at least on Sony's side, they've realized what gamers really care about, and that's, um, you know, are you going to fuck with me when I want to play a game? And they pretty <laughs> much just turned around and said, no, we're not going to do that. You bought it. You do what you want with it. Really yeah. simple, straight answer, and that almost, you know, bef- before you can even buy either of the consoles. Oh, by the way, the PS4, eighty pounds cheaper. Um, <laughs> That's you know, quite possibly why Rich has there, gone for that you? one. Then yeah. <laughs> I just think it's um, it does seem to be a bit daft to be trying to do all these things that I could easily do all of those things now. I sat on my laptop whilst talking to you. So I don't yeah. know. And I wouldn't want to do those things while I was playing a game. Because the thing is, like you say with the telly, um, as much as you might put on a show that you like to watch, um, mm-hmm. you will check Twitter and oh, I wonder if anybody's thought of mentioning this about this show right now. Hey, tweety tweet. And um, I, you would never do that with a game. You would never stop in the middle of a game and think, I'm just going to tweet, tweet yeah. what I've just done. Guys, guys, guess what? Slay the dragon. Like that would never happen. Well, share um, a video. This is a thing that, that especially the PS4 wants to do. It's like, hey, you've just had a really rad gaming moment. You can capture that rad gaming moment and share it with your friends. Yeah. Like, who gives a fuck? I'm playing a game. I want to play this goddamn game. Don't tell me I can. I can. Oh, anyway. Hmm. I think. I think. I am not the target market anymore, Stacey. I think that's what the quite problem possibly is. not. Should I we? Uh, about it. Should, should we talk about Man of Steel? Or more, ac- more accurately, shall I just you? squeal, squeal <laughs> a lot? Do you know what? I'm actually going to launch into this review with the one thing that I actually genuinely hated about this film, okay, because I want to, I want to get that out of the way, yep. and then I can tell you all about all the reasons why that one thing was completely overshadowed all the awesome. Went to see this on uh, Friday. I actually took half a day off work, guys, so that I could go and see. Because <laughs> I knew I was going to a birthday party in Liverpool and thought, nope, I can't not see it. opening weekend. Someone mm-hmm. will spoil this for me. So I went to see it on Friday and um, came out of the cinema absolutely buzzing because it is just fantastic. But there was one moment in that film that I am going to spoil to buggery that as soon as people see it, they will know what, what I mean. There is one ridiculous moment that makes literally fuck all sense, right? Picture okay. this if you will. Mm-hmm. Clark Kent, I'm assuming they were make, trying to make him look around age 17-ish, but it's really hard to make somebody as chiselled and handsome as Henry Cavill look that young. Um, but it, he's having a bit of a tiff with his dad in the car, like, what do you know? You're not my real dad anyway. I'm some sort of alien orphan. Mur. And uh, as he's saying this, uh, Park Kent is looking at the window and going, holy shit, a fucking tornado, only with a lot less uh, swearing. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, they've, uh, they're in this traffic jam. The jam is caused by this tornado. So, obviously, the Kents all get out of the car. Uh, Clark and Jonathan start helping other people out of their cars. They're guiding them for some reason to a bridge, like that's going to protect them from a tornado. Um, Big mistake. But that's not the stupid bit. The stupid bit okay. is the three of them get to this bridge and Martha Kent goes, shit, we left the dog in the car. So, Jonathan Kent looks at Clark shakes his head as if to say, the world is not ready for you and your superpowers just yet, my friend. And, and, and goes goes back for the dog, right? Goes back into the path of a tornado for a dog. Climbs in the car, dog's all scared, doesn't want to move, pushes the dog out of the car. But as this happens, another car lands on top of their car and pins his leg. So he's all like, 
holy shit snacks what do I do uh, manages to wrangle his leg free tries to get out of the car and just as he gets out he realises he's about two foot away from this fucking tornado he can't really walk because his ankle's been mashed Clark looks at him and goes dad we're coming over to save you and uh, in this big grand gesture Kevin Costner sticks his hand in the air and has a look on his face that says no son the world is not prepared for this just let me die and gets sucked into a tornado guys Parkent dies getting sucked into a tornado. Right. Now, th- th- my biggest issue with this scene is not the fact that he dies and not the fact that it's in a tornado because, you know, that, that shit could happen. Uh, mm. they, they live in Kansas. You know, it's fair to say these things happen. Historically, uh, it has been recorded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what bothered me about this scene is, A, why Clark didn't go back for the dog in the first place because he could have easily done that without using his powers because he's a younger, more sprightly kind of guy. Mm. And and two, why the fuck would Martha Kent send either of them back to get the dog? I know that seems really heartless of me. And a lot of people say, well, Stace, you are terrified of dogs, so maybe you're a bit biased. But I actually think dogs are super, super cute. I'm just really frightened of their giant teeth. (laughs) And, like, I really love dogs. And I think, you know, if I had any kind of pet, I wouldn't want it to die in a tornado. However, you know, if I'm going to weigh up the options, I'd kind of rather my dog died than my husband or my son. And that, that bit just did not gel with me at all because I thought there's no way she would ask them to go back for that dog. There is no way that Clark would have let his dad just go back for the dog. Yeah. And there's no way he would have just let him stand there. Plus, the way Kevin Costner raised his hand to Clark to say no, like literally everybody around him would have gone, why doesn't he want help? That's crazy talk. What is he doing? Somebody get in there and get that guy. <laughs> like, it just made no sense to me. And I understand that they needed this sort of defining moment for Clark in his life where he realised that, okay, he's really got to be careful with his powers until the right time and blah de blah um, But I really just, th- I just think it was a really stupid way of going about it. Fucking a dog, guys. Come on. Your husband just died for your dog. And your dog's probably going to die in a couple of years itself. So, you know, well done on picking that one, Martha. Shit. Yeah, so... I'm, yeah I hope you're happy with <laughs> yeah. the dog. Yeah, with the dog. I hope it the... gives you Ugh. several months of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was so bamboozled by this whole decision that I just... Did it take you out of the drama? It did a bit because I was just sitting there and going, a dog, really, guys, a dog. Are you going back for the dog? The old man is going back for the dog. No, he's going, yep, he's gone back for the dog. I just, I couldn't. It would not gel in my head at all, um, which is why it's quite lucky that the rest of the film was so fucking top tits that that, that was overshadowed and I could let it go, sort of. <laughs> I say sort of because I really don't want to let that go. It's a really stupid move. but um... Well, that's that's how Parkent dies, right? And, yeah. And he has to. It's it, it yeah. kind of, you need there to be that father figure missing. Exactly. For the, the, the you know, the discovery that... Um, soups has later when he finds out you know that that he's been left a usb disc with all of this history on it that he can learn um i'm gonna imagine that's what happened because i haven't seen it do you know what it's not a usb disc it's actually i didn't quite understand this because i'm a bit stupid um it's some sort of kryptonian technology that allows his dad to actually physically be there and talk to him and interact with him and hear what he's saying but he's not actually there as a computer program Ooh, that's clever. I mean, it was good because I actually was kind of amazed by Russell Crowe because I 
don't actually rate him as an actor because he's a bit rubbish. Uh, but I thought he was pretty good in this and I quite enjoyed it. I'm struggling to think of a film that I have seen anyway, a Russell Crowe film that I've seen that I've thought that was a really good performance and that was a really good film. I mean, I do. I did enjoy the film Gladiator the first time I saw it. I fell asleep. But I've never been able to watch it again because I keep falling asleep. It's like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's one of those films. Now I know what happens. I don't care anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh. But yeah, I thought, actually, I thought he was uh, he was really, really good. And Excellent. Um, the, oh, the, the one thing that... that the, the biggest thing for me that they definitely got right in this film was the soundtrack. Hans Zimmer does an absolutely fucking amazing, like, hair standing up on the back of your neck soundtrack that was he's just... Good. oh, He's just so amazing, but it it just so perfectly fitted with this film. Okay, I'm, I've, I've done the big, the big thing that annoyed me now. Okay. So, to the little things that annoyed me. What? Oh, there are more. Uh, yeah, but they're only little, so it's fine. Okay. Firstly... So those you can put to one side. The dog thing is still... The dog thing I still can't really let go. I understand yeah. why Pa Kent had to die, but I do not believe for one moment that Martha would have sent him after a dog. I really don't. Yeah. I know she loves the dogs, but I'm fairly sure she loves her husband too. <laughs> I mean, if it was if it was like, oh my God, that car has got the one copy of the mixtape you did for me when we were young lovers, that kind of almost works. But a dog... You can get another dog. Just get another dog. Just get another dog. The thing is, yeah. I'd be tempted to say you can get another anything that's in that car as long as your husband and your son are out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't just get Kryptonian kids falling out of the sky every day. Yeah, it, weird choice. I do not like. I was worried that because of it being Zack Snyder, that it was going to be all about the uh, slow mo, and it wasn't. There was, as far as I can remember, mm-hmm. no slow mo bits, which is good. What there was instead with this weird zooming action that really upset my brain, like my, my head could not handle it at all and I was watching it in IMAX 3D. It, it's like, I don't know, it would show like a really far away shot of something, like for example, uh, Superman having a bit of a fly and then it would sort of zoom in halfway and then zoom in even further and it would make a sort of sound as it did it. It was really weird, really fucking weird. <laughs> um, so I could have done without that. And mm-hmm. at the very end, I mean... Spoilers, guys. Superman beats Odd. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I think we could have all seen that coming. But um, the the big fight at the end is... It's brilliant in the sense that it just... It totally demonstrates the absolutely utter devastation that can be caused by somebody of his power levels facing off against somebody else of a similar power level. Mm-hmm. Um, like, shit gets destroyed... Pretty much every building gets either Superman or Zod thrown through it. But I will say that that big fight scene was a lot of people getting thrown through buildings and I would have really liked to have seen a bit more of like the hand-to-hand combat kind of stuff. I mean, there was a bit of it, but it was mostly just like, I'm going to throw you through here now. Whoosh! And uh, it was suitably epic, but maybe not as like fighty as I was hoping, if that makes sense. So how much... Um... How much of a, I don't want to say reboot, but I'm going to say it. How much of a reboot is this? Basically. How much starting from scratch is Man of Steel? Let's put it like that. Entirely. 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 The, so the... do you think then in the, course of, in the course of one film, you've gone through the whole origin story again 
Um, and then there's kind of all that basic, oh, he's just started being Superman. Oh, he's just moved to Metropolis. All this kind of stuff going on. Well, and then within the same movie, it turns into this massive at all costs sort of a scrap. Is that too much in one film? It, um, it actually takes an interesting uh, direction, this film, in the sense that it doesn't, he doesn't move to Metropolis until the end. Oh, okay. And it's sort of... I'm really spoiling the bejesus out of this, aren't I? Oh, well. it, I don't mind. It, it starts on Krypton, which, by the way, is one of the most beautiful things I've seen on film in a really long time. It's um, it's really weird because I always imagine Krypton to look kind of like the Emerald City does in uh, Wizard of Oz. But this version, it's very sort of... It's beautiful whilst being incredibly industrial looking, if that makes any sort of sense. Which makes sense... Because of the fact that, you know, Krypton kind of exploded because they were just getting too advanced and just depleting all their own resources and mining the core and all sorts of bollocks. Mm. Um, so it makes sense that it would be incredibly sort of industrially advanced looking. Um, so I don't know why I've always pictured it as this some like crystal-esque kind of beautiful thing. Uh, it's just me being weird, I guess. But like it starts in Krypton and you hear that they're going to, uh, you know, that they think the planet's going to implode. They send Clark off into space. Zod gets popped into the negative zone thing and job done. There we go. That's the first sort of 25 minutes, half an hour. Cut to Superman as a grown-up, sort of working on a... He's working on a boat, I believe, at the start, uh, as a fisherman. And um, and then it sort of skips about chronology-wise. Uh, you see bits of him as a kid just learning how to deal with his powers. Then it will cut again to him now dealing with oh now i've got to find myself yet another job because i might have just revealed that i'm pretty super strong and all that sort of thing (laughs) and uh and i really like the way the way it worked in terms of the chronology because i um was worried that it was going to be a just a genuine rehash like here's the krypton bit here's him growing up here's him in metropolis here's him fighting zod yeah Whereas it skipped a bit a lot more and it was a lot more interesting to watch that way. And I felt that the kid that they got was not annoying, which is good. I'm I'm usually very annoyed by child actors. Um, but the kid that they got to play him when he was younger was very good. So that was fine. And um, I think the whole build up to it, because at the very end, I don't quite know how the Daily Planet was still standing after... <laughs> genuinely if you do like i'm sure if you do like a google image search of the destruction of metropolis in that movie you will see that pretty much everything is a pile of rubble it's uh he decides at the very end to get a job there because he thinks he needs to know that he needs to hide who he is properly because everybody has basically seen him on telly and whatnot um he thinks he needs to get a job where he will hear about things very quickly and people won't notice that he's disappeared because he might be off on a story and blah, blah, blah. So he thinks it's the perfect disguise and he pops the glasses on right at the very end and you're like, huzzah. Um, That's nice. It's good. It, I really loved that as an ending. I just think it's a, it's a really good way to set yourself up for a sequel without actually like really shoehorning in some sort of like you know how a lot of films like just right at the very end put in something that suggests that like this guy might be the next villain in the next one mm-hmm. ever and then it never happens and you think oh whatever happened with that huh? so i think that was really good and they did hint there was a scene in which he was having a fight and there was a big Le- lex corp tankard thing behind him and i was nice. like ooh, ooh, lex and rich reckons he spotted a wayne industries logo but i don't i didn't see that because my eyes are very good 
<laughs> I had to take off my own spectacles to wear the IMAX 3D glasses, so <laughs> I can't be expected to notice everything, guys. But yeah, I'm not making it sound like it was actually very good because I just went on that rant about the dog and the uh, and the throwdown. But yeah, genuinely think it was amazing. It was very action heavy, but in a good way. Like it didn't, I didn't feel like I was in there for like two and a half hours or however long the film actually was. It's just a really good film. And Henry Cavill, man, that chin, I would lick that chin so much. Such a chin. He's got the face for it, hasn't he? He, to me, he was like perfect cat. I, d- I don't know who he is. Like, I, I don't think I've seen him in anything before. And if I have, I didn't notice, <laughs> which is a terrible thing to say. But yes, I uh, I thought he was amazing. He um he had a very what I liked was he had a really good presence. Um, and I know a lot of people online have been whinging about the fact that because he doesn't become the Clark Kent who is hiding his identity from everybody until the very end, you don't get to see. You know how in the original Superman film, everybody was yeah. like really raving about the way that Christopher Reeve sort of portrayed you know Clark Kent as the sort of fumbly reporter and then woof, he became Superman mm. and although I do think that was an amazing performance um you don't get to see much of that in this film but everything that you do see is very Superman <laughs> like there was not one part in that film where I didn't think I totally believe that this guy is is a real Superman like he's amazing one of my favorite bits was uh when he first talks to his computerized version of his dad his dad is explaining why the yellow sun is uh, activating powers within him and blah blah and that he needs to test himself and stuff and so he, he goes out into um the middle of the arctic or the antarctic whichever one it was that he has a fortress in i don't know um and he starts leaping about because he can't quite fly yet and i thought that was brilliant because like a lot of people in in that cinema probably didn't realize that superman never used to actually fly he used to just jump really fucking far <laughs> um because it was originally i could leap tall buildings in a single bound and all that business yeah. so i was having quite a lot of fun just watching him like leapfrogging icebergs <laughs> i was like yeah it's proper superman um and got a little bit overexcited I got very overexcited during that film, actually. I came out of it and I was like, what did you guys think? And Rich went, yeah, I suppose. And my my friend Key went, yeah, it was all right. I was like, oh, you guys, <laughs> you've broken my heart. <laughs> so um, did you did you go in with kind of an extra investment because you're uh, you're a big Superman fan generally? You read yeah. the comic books? Is that, so you've yeah. got this kind of bigger connection to it. Mm-hmm. I don't think, like, I don't think Rich was ever going to really enjoy it because he... He's not a Superman fan. He reads action comics because I get it, and he probably reads Superman because I get it too. <laughs> but he he's always argued that it's difficult to ever feel like there's any danger for Superman because he's basically invincible, which I can see. And they got around that very well in this film, I think, because a lot of um, writers for the comics and things just resort instantly to there being some sort of presence of kryptonite somewhere in the near vicinity of Superman, whereas this... The problem came from Zod trying to terraform the Earth into a second Krypton, Mm. uh, which was changing the Earth atmosphere from the one that was giving Clark his powers to the one on Krypton that, you know, obviously, because nobody on Krypton had powers because they didn't have a... It was just normal there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was he was losing his powers in that sense. There was not one mention of kryptonite, which I was quite happy about. Yeah. And obviously, I like the fact that they didn't go for Lex as the first villain because as much as I like Lex Luthor in the comics, 
think the Gene Hackman version was an absolute fucking mess. Like, come on, guys, what? <laughs> Why? Um, but also, I think it's a bit ridiculous to assume that literally the instant that Superman sort of becomes a part of everybody's consciousness like why would he instantly be like this guy's my enemy clearly i better exactly attempt to murder him straight away whereas now lex is a businessman he's got other fish to fry he's not worrying about some uh, uh, supposed flash in the pan or whatever exactly but whereas now it's like if they were going to set him up for the second film you could believe that he'd be like oh thank you for you know trashing my city and destroying my quantities of you know oil that that tankard you just blew up with your fucking heat vision you know and you can see now why he'd be a little bit pissed (laughs) and also uh, you could you could have an interesting perspective where lex luther almost looks like the benefactor because you know if you've just destroyed a city, who's going to rebuild it? Oh, here's a guy with a lot of money, yeah. and all of a, so he he could almost start start off that story like being a good guy to the to the population because he's the one who's like fronting up money to bring the city back to the way it once was, mm-hmm. and also helping him exert his power because all of a sudden he's like a massive landowner or, or however you'd want to write it. But do you see what I mean? It's like yeah. you could have quite an interesting dynamic there as well. Yeah. I am so on board with any more films that they... That, I mean, I don't know if this is intended to have sequels or if it's going to be a trilogy or what, I don't know, but I am totally, totally there. I mean, I want to see this yeah. again. Um, I've already texted my mum and said, basically, I'm taking you to see this because it's the tits. <laughs> to which she replied, Henry Cavill's quite attractive, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Mom. Um, you can see where I get it from now, though, at least. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I would definitely, if you're a fan of Superman, if you're a fan of action films, because there is no shortage of action in this film, if you're a fan of handsome men and very chiseled jawlines, definitely go and see it, definitely. The the one other thing I will say in its favour as well is that, I mean, most people who have ever listened to me talk on a podcast before will know that I am a bit of a fiend for special effects in that I really notice when they're not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing struck me in this film as being out of place. I uh, particularly some of the flying scenes. <gasps> oh, pretty! They were so good. You could totally believe that he was like flying out of Earth's atmosphere and all sorts of amazing things. I just I really liked it, and I'm very excited now because I enjoyed Lois Lane in it, but she wasn't she wasn't playing the savvy reporter that everybody knows and and loves her as for the most part of the film. Mm. So it will be interesting if they do do a sequel to see her do more of that that sort of thing. You've got to, got to imagine they've got people yeah. down on contracts here. Yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, I, I like I say, I'm I'm signed up for however many more of these they want to make. I am very happy with this. I mean, aside from that stupid bit with the dog, come on, guys, <laughs> come on, guys. Um, aside from that, I mean, I was just literally blown. I came out of the cinema and I was so excited, but I just kept punching Rich in the arm and going, "Ah, that was so good." <laughs> and he was like, "Would you stop fucking punching me for shit's sake?" Yeah, I thought it was amazing, and I genuinely don't understand why people disliked it as much as they did. Because there is a lot. It seems to be a bit of a marmite kind of film. There are very few people I've seen online who were like, "Well, I thought it was all right." I guess. I mean, <laughs> Rich, Rich made me laugh because he said, "Oh, it's the best Superman film I've seen, but it still wasn't a very good film," <laughs> which just goes to show how uh, how not very good the Superman track record is. <laughs> yeah, my. God, it it's you know the original Superman movie, Richard Donner, that was absolutely fine. There was a lot of good stuff in there, but the production team behind it 
that made all four really did sort of go into business for themselves and and you know it's no surprise that the quality of the movies <laughs> really <laughs> suffered as a result mm, i um, i've never seen superman 4 i never got that far i'm pretty sure i've seen all of them but as as with a lot of films of those types um i would have seen them when they were on in the half-term holidays you know and i was a little kid and it was on itv you know, and that's when I would have seen them, and probably wouldn't have seen apart from apart from the the, the first Superman movie. I wouldn't have seen again. So my memory on those sort kind of things about what happens in which movie it's are, are sort of shaky, but they do sort of become more panto as they go along. Mm-hmm. And oh god, Superman Returns! Yeah. Good lord. It was one of the things that always strikes me as absolutely ridiculous is, and I can't remember if it was from two or three, was the uh, peel off shield cellophane s that you can somehow capture people with like that he just tore off his costume and threw at people oh that was two but that was awful wasn't it what was what was the fucking what <laughs> what were they smoking when they came <laughs> up with that one God, i know right <laughs> superman Crazy. returns was uh, was terrible i think the, the the problem for me is the implication that superman knocks up lois Leaves the planet without telling anyone because, to be fair to him, right? He thought mm. his he thought his family might be alive and that Krypton might be, you know, existing. That's fine. If you're going to make an excursion to see if your parents are still alive, you should probably at least tell the woman you've just knocked up the duff. Like leave a note. Yeah, just or something, you know, you know, just just leave a little message somewhere to say where you go. Don't fuck off for five years and then come back and like act like that kid is like zero to do with you. Like, oh, he's so creepy in it. Really creepy Superman. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm very aware that we've been talking for nearly an hour and a half and we've only actually talked about two whole things. <laughs> That's so, because of all of these strange like deviations we've gone on. See, yeah. I told you this was going to happen. Yeah. The one thing I will say about Man of Steel before I come completely off topic is that, right. um, and I will put this out there, and a lot of people will probably go, what? Uh, I actually enjoyed it more than The Avengers. Oh, really? Which is one of my favourite comic book films. So, you know, that's a pretty big stamp of Stace approval right there. There you go. Stunned you into silence, day I? <laughs> I just thought I'd, I, I thought I'd give that one air to breathe so everyone who's listening could really give that a good old think. It's a good It's a good one. I am blatantly going to go and see it again, and uh, I'm sure I'll enjoy it just as much. And if not, I'm not going to tell anyone because otherwise this will look really silly. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean... Uh, Obviously, Superman as a character drew you to this movie, but the production team, you know, um, Christopher Nolan producing it, David Goyer being involved, and Zack Snyder directing it, did that have any effect on you wanting to see the film? Just generally interested if that is was a draw for you at all. Nolan was. Nolan definitely was. I don't... <sighs> Snyder's a difficult one for me because I've never seen Sucker Punch because it sounded awful. Mm-hmm. And... As much as I enjoyed 300 for the silly piece of beefcake that it was, I really enjoyed Watchmen as well. But I was just, I was just really scared of all the slow mo. I thought I can't <laughs> envision what bits of a Superman film are going to look good really slow down. <laughs> and I was really frightened of that. So I was thinking, come on, Christopher Nolan, rain, rain him in a bit, yeah. <laughs> and it seems like he must have. That, <laughs> because, that, yeah, yeah, that, um, that must have helped. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I. Um, I think I probably would have seen it regardless, like even if I didn't know that he was involved, um, just because I do love me some Superman. And, you know, another little nugget of information for everyone, Henry Cavill is now on my my list, so... 
my to-do list, as I like to classily call it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am, yeah. Just I, If you haven't seen it, I think you really should, even if you're not a massive fan of Superman, because if for nothing else, to take the taste of Superman Returns out of your mouth. Good point. <laughs> because at least then you'll be like, oh, well, better Superman films do exist. Yeah. It's the thing. The thing with Superman Returns was is that like the first half an hour to three quarters of an hour is pretty promising and interesting and entertaining, and then it falls off a cliff. But it's the length of another movie because <laughs> it's yeah. that freaking long. Yeah, it does start off like the whole like the plane bit is pretty cool. But it, I mean, much after that, I don't really remember. I may have zoned out while I was watching it because that woman was a terrible Lois as well. Whoever she was, fucking awful piece of casting and writing. She was written really badly. That's the, the argument I've always had when people really rag on Kirsten Dunst in Superman. Uh, Superman in Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. To me, it's like, I don't think she did a bad job with what she had, but what exactly. she had was yeah. garbage. <laughs> like, actual damsel in distress, nonsense, female hormones garbage. <laughs> like, it just... It, she had nothing to work with there. <laughs> nothing. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, was there anything else you wanted to... I mean, I'm I'm very aware there probably was other things that you wanted to talk about, but, <laughs> but you know, uh, some of us have got to edit this into... Well, yeah, I, I, I don't envy that. Um, I, I was asking about, I was asking about um, like, the production team and, and, and Zack Snyder, specifically about Zack Snyder, really, because I, I see that he has chops for good visual direction. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he makes eye porn movies. There's no question about that. Like you said, 300 was like watching someone, you know, paint for a while. <laughs> and you go, cool, that's nice. I wonder how they do that. And then it's sort of forgettable. Mm. Um, Watchmen, um, Watchmen is one of very, very few films that I've gone to see in the cinema and neither enjoyed or not enjoyed, but just come out of the end of it struggling to figure out how I felt about it. I oh, see, I actually really enjoy. I saw it twice at the cinema. <laughs> I um, I really enjoyed it, but I do think I think it's a difficult one because of the nature of the source material. Um, you can tell, you can tell that Snyder absolutely loves the story. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it depends on when you read Watchmen, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Because I didn't come into comics until about two thousand. Well, when did I meet Rich? Two thousand and five. She says tentatively. Um, by which time Watchmen was, you know, it was a thing that had already happened yeah. a really long time yeah. ago. And I understand that, you know, when it came out, it was a big deal. But when I read it, it was just a, an interesting little comics read, wasn't it? Because it didn't have the impact on me that it would have done somebody who read it. It's like watching The Exorcist. That didn't have the same impact on me when I watched exactly. it when I was 17 as it did my mum when she watched it when it came out and then refused to walk underneath our loft for quite a long time. <laughs> Um, it's because uh... we watched we watched it we watched it years and years on we've seen other films and things going on on tv shows and stuff that are crazy and scary and stuff and so you watch the exorcist and everyone makes a big fuss about it and you're like okay i yeah. don't really see what the big deal was about it's not that bad so it's, it's it's all right in it but this used to shit people up in the cinema yeah i mean i've got to admit i'm a bit weird with what scares me because i can like easily watch something like the blair witch and not even be remotely frightened but oh, then it's a terrible film <laughs> but then it, if it really is isn't it yeah. but then if you put brain dead on and you show me that fucking terrifying rat beast animatronic thing at the have you ever seen brain dead i haven't but, oh, you, um, you should anything anything with physical um physical effects in is still scary the yes. thing 
the thing um there oh. are bits there are bits of total recall that genuinely frighten me and i know they're not supposed to but it's just the animatronics are genuinely ter- terrifying to me uh, like kuatu is one of the most like nightmare inducing things i've ever seen in my life <laughs> the first time i saw total recall i would have been an early early teen sort of an age it was again on tv and right near the end, when Arnie's sort of like choking to death in the atmosphere, and oh you've got God. that re- that that animatronic face, and everything's bulging, and it's I could not look. Terrifying. It was so horrific. Terrifying. That is. But seriously, go and check out Brain Dead. If nothing for like, if for nothing more than to just have your mind blown with the absolute mad fucking ridiculousness of this film. I mean, there's a bit where a guy attacks a bunch of zombies with a lawnmower for shit's sake. It's amazing. <laughs> anyway. Yes, I think draw, any, we'll draw a line under that. I think. Anyway, it's become the word of the day. Um, it has. It has. I uh, I wanted to talk a bit about Arrow, but I think I can wait. I've only watched three episodes, so I'll just do that next month. But I I actually forgot that I wanted to talk about Doctor Who as well. Do you watch? Okay. Do you watch Doctor Who? Okay, so I've had a very interesting relationship with Doctor Who over the last year or so. Okay. I watched the first half of this series last year. And was starting to find myself just a little bit bemused by everything. And then this second half, I saw the, the, the first episode as it was broadcast. And then the following three, I didn't watch for a few weeks and then watched them. And then today, because I thought I better at least catch up a little bit, I had the Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS and the one following that, the Crimson something or other, it was called. Oh, Crimson Horror? Yes, the Crimson Horror. I, I, I caught up on both of those this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Cyberman one I haven't seen, and I was round someone's house when the final episode was on, and it was sort of on in the background, so we didn't quite catch all of it. But obviously I know what happens at the end, and I get the general gist. Mm-hmm. But basically what I'm trying to tell you is that I haven't been mad keen on keeping up to date on this last series. I, I feel you as well. I've been struggling with it since it changed the format into the two halves of a season, as it were, because I don't think it can build up the steam and the suspense and the momentum that I want it to have. Mm. Especially when, I mean, particularly with this series, they tried to build up this overarching, ooh, what the fuck is Clara storyline, but they only had sort of like five episodes to do it. So I didn't actually, I wasn't that interested. I didn't really care. Especially because a lot of the episodes seem to be, here's a bunch of stuff, and then right at the very end, the Doctor going, what the bloody hell are you? I know, right? And it was like, no, this isn't even an arc. You're not even trying with this. Like you, you literally. It was Monster of the Week, and then right at the end, there was. It was almost like, um, like you get in a Marvel movie after the credits, something would happen. It was like, oh, and this, yeah. and you sort of get that. You'd you'd have like the the stand the standard uh, romp, and then right at the end, once the um the threat had been dealt with, it's like, oh, you are a mystery, Clara. Yeah, I just found it really, I found the whole Clara thing distracting and it's mostly because for me, I'm a bit sick of this whole companions have to have something big and universal about them Um, because it it sort of, it started with Donna really. I know Rose had a really big part to play in like the Doctor's life and stuff, but he, he knew the instant he met Donna for the second time that the universe had brought them together for some reason. There was something that was going to happen to her or because of her mm. um, or something that was going to happen to the, the universe because of her that he needed to stick with her and that's why he took her on as his companion. And then a similar thing happened with Amy in the sense that 
he he again knew that there was something some overall thing surrounding Amy that was causing him to be drawn to her. Yeah. And, it, it, and I don't think that was ever really fully resolved, was it? There was, well, there, was, I, there, was, there was the stuff about right near the beginning, there was something to do with her and a Dalek that I never felt was entirely resolved. Maybe yeah, I just wasn't paying enough attention. Because to she didn't know what a Dalek was and she should have. Yes. But then she rewrote the universe in her head at the end of that series, didn't she? Oh, okay, yeah. So, so the whole Daleks thing never ha- happened. Time says, travel's convenient like that. I don't know. I don't know. Um, mm. I don't tend to question these things, otherwise I'd get really confused. <laughs> but um, I'm just kind of, I just kind of want it to go back to the Doctor and someone run around and do awesome, exciting things. And maybe there's a little bit of an arc, but it doesn't necessarily have to revolve around this particular companion. Um, yeah. Like, I am happy now that we know what the mystery with Clara is. I'm really hoping that the next series is just like, here's some stuff that they do together, ha-ha, and, um, and that it's, you know, better. But I'm just, I really don't like it with the break. I think the break does nothing to help it. I mean, when we had the first break in between A Good Man Goes to War and Let's Kill Hitler... Mm-hmm. You know, they'd bigged up the whole idea of this massive cliffhanger, ooh, what was going to happen? But you can't have a cliffhanger about a character who you've seen an adult version of. <laughs> you can't say, oh, crap, is he going to save this baby when you know that that baby grows <laughs> up to be River Fucking Song? Yeah. It's, you know, it's just stupid. Plus, it doesn't help that I really don't like River Song. I think I think um, it was a very, very interesting character in its first appearance. Yeah. And then, oh... As, as just um she became too smug as time became went on. became a little bit too smug and became an easy thing to go back to mm-hmm. um like a like a useful resource that you can pull and it i think they've crossed paths too often you you need to use something like river song very sparingly i think in order for it to be truly effective but then to have it be the bloody child of amy pond and all this kind of stuff was just what? a little bit too too um too fussy too twisty too inbred i think and it's not only that but the fact that she then turns out to be their baby but also at the same time then the doctor's wife which actually didn't need to happen either there's literally no reason why they got married and they're not a married couple as you know tradition would dictate in the sense that they spend zero time together (laughs) pretty much and she's dead now (laughs) it's it's just all very bamboozling but i um yeah I'm really struggling with Doctor Who of late. I really want to like it. And it hasn't... Like, this season, this this sort of second half has not been bad in the sense that, aside from that story with all the singing, which I thought was rubbish, there's not been any story that I've been particularly, you know, I've hated. I mean, there's been no love of monsters in this series. <laughs> but at the same time, I've just lost that... Like, I used to be so into Doctor Who that it was like, cancel your birthday plans, I need to stay home and watch Doctor Who. Mm-hmm, and like yeah. I when when Rich and I got married, I actually genuinely thought for a little while about getting a TV set up in the reception area so I could watch it on the wedding <laughs> day. Um because I was like, Rich, I really don't want to miss this. But then I thought, you know what, getting married might be a tiny bit more important and we do have a Sky Plus box. But like I used to be so excited for it that it was like, you know, the thing that I did on a Saturday. Exactly. Whereas this series, I think I've only watched the finale on the day that it actually showed. Mm. Um, and I was drunk at the time and had to rewatch it the next day <laughs> because I didn't understand what happened. <laughs> I think um, I think the 
splitting the season into two parts in some ways hasn't helped. I mean, in on 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 one front, yes, it spreads production costs, um, which was especially useful when the Olympics was on. Plus, there's that thing where you don't have to wait an entire year to get your Doctor Who fix. And and when I was like when I was loving the uh, new who and you get to the end of a 13 episode run and then you knew that you were waiting short of the Christmas special, you were waiting a whole year for the next stuff it was an incredibly long wait. So you kind of, you get to have a bit of your doctor who fix more frequently, which is good. But at the same time, what you lose is that habit, that habit of being in front of the TV at a particular time on a Saturday for a good run before, you know, before you know it, you blink and those six, those five or six episodes have gone mm-hmm. and then you're waiting again. Yeah, I, I think just... that does that does have some impact. I don't think that's the only reason why we probably haven't really felt like being super up to date on it this time round. I, I think don't maybe think Amy and Rory slightly wore out their welcome, so that doesn't help. Mm. This is me speaking. I'm not, not speaking for everyone here, but I feel like they did run out, uh, kind of just sort of stick around a little bit too long. And then Clara has been good in terms of what her character is up to. But I've found one thing that's really put me off is that whether it's just her or whether it's the way everyone's writing, but the dialogue seems to be just a little bit like too quick witted for its own good. Mm -hmm. There's always a quip right there and then. And it just sort of lifts me out because it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel natural. I, um, exactly. I've i been struggling with a lot of the lady characters since um, Moffat took over because I don't get the feeling that he can actually write a non-strong, non-sassy, non-quippy, you know, right. quick-smart, you know, talking-back kind of character. And to me, it's like I actually can't relate to those kinds of people because when I meet someone for the first time, I'm terrified and nervous and I ramble or I just stand there quietly having a cry in the corner. Like, I, I don't... Um, like Rose, I found grew into a stronger cat. I mean, I, I still don't particularly like her because I think Billy Piper's a terrible fucking actress. <laughs> um, but I found at least that she started just as like you know she could have easily been my next door neighbour. Yeah. Um, and then she grew into this character that was like fucking. I'm gonna just take the energy of the TARDIS and save everybody's fucking day. Because, you know, the doctor showed her that sometimes you have to make tough decisions and sometimes you have to be the strong one and sometimes, you know, only you can save the world kind of thing. Mm. Whereas Amy and um, River and Clara uh, and Sally Sparrow even have all been characters who are just like instantly strong and brave and and back talking and and yeah occasionally they do have these moments where they're actually genuinely frightened of things but for the most part fuck it they'll take it on they'll take it on i don't care and i can't i really can't gel with that kind of character especially so many in a small space of time it's like where's the doctor finding all of these so i think it's about time he met somebody like me who uh, just shits themselves and passes out the first time they go inside the tardis you need you do, you do need a slightly more timid companion or, or 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 a companion with like some some you know some direction in which to grow. Yeah. Um. And I mean, maybe you got a little bit of that with Rory as he sort of played the sequel to Mickey the Idiot. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's just, it's it, you're right. It just needs a little bit more time to grow. And it's it's even odd when you have those one episode companions and they're just like, yeah, all right then. No, here's this really weird guy who's just come out of nowhere and there's this really weird thing happening around him. Are you just going to obey him? 
or yeah. do whatever he says or follow him around or run because he tells you to. There's been an awful lot of running. Yeah, there has been an awful lot of running. How do you um how do you feel about uh Matt Smith running away? <laughs> While we're on the topic of running, Matt Smith's uh departure from Doctor Who being announced. I think it is the right time. Mm-hmm. I think it's the right time. It's, I agree. It's, it's the pattern. It's the pattern that a lot of a lot of the doctors have seemed to do. They'll they'll stick around for for uh, three, maybe four years, and then that's it. They're they're done. I think I think it's right. I think um, by by and large, he's been a pretty good doctor. I think the the very first episode with him in, I I I was almost giddy with mm-hmm. his with his performance because it was. It was multifaceted. It was quirky. He felt like an alien again, mm-hmm. which which is something that, unfortunately, I think part of that part of that will be down to the acting. Some of that will also be down to the writing. But David Tennant got a bit gurney, a bit gritted teeth, and had and started having very human reactions actually to things, which um, which can make sense if you're taking a character somewhere. But ultimately, you have to remember that you know he's not from around here. <laughs> he might like it here, but he's not from around here, so he's got to act a bit different. So Matt Smith has done much better on the kind of the quirky alien thing, and and um, really made that role his own, which is great. But it's one of those it's one of those jobs in TV now that asks an awful lot of you. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're looking at what you want to do next in your career, um, you kind of you can't work anything else around that schedule. If you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why they've had to announce his departure so early, I think, is that the BBC needs to own that announcement. If if they kept it, they tried to keep it quiet, and then later on in the year, um, there are some um, sneaky paparazzi shots of Matt Smith on set somewhere, and you know that Doctor Who's being filmed at the same time. Well, that's the story spoiled. Mm-hmm. You know, so that even though it's like, oh man, this is like months before the fiftieth anniversary thing comes on, and you know, why can't we have surprises anymore? Well, the reason why we can't have surprises anymore is someone will spoil it. Yeah. And and and, it, and if someone is, it might as well be the BBC being in charge of leaking that information instead of you know some uh, red top newspaper trying to kind of steal the story. It's like, it's weird how like the sun or the mirror or whatever still wants to have like a Doctor Who story on the on the front cover. You'd think they'd be beyond that now, but apparently not. And I so am... I think I think it's I think it's right for him to go and I'm not entirely sure a lot of people are going to get the actor they want <laughs> to be the, the, <laughs> the new doctor. I wouldn't be surprised if it's someone who's not as big a star as yeah. people's desires hope it would be. Me and Rich have discussed this because, I mean, we're terrible at speculation anyway, so we haven't thrown any names out there. Mm. I mean, I was saying that I would really like the Doctor to, to be an actual ginger this time, to get his ginger wish, which would mean that um, Benedict Cumberbatch and his natural hair colour could uh, could play the part, but I don't think that'll happen. In fact, I'm fairly certain that will not happen. But uh, I don't I don't like to speculate because I just think, you know, when, when they announced that David Tennant was leaving and Matt Smith was taking over, I had literally no idea who Matt Smith was. So I was like, oh, cool. And I would like that again, if yeah. I possibly can, because then I had no expectations of which to hold him up to so that when I saw that first episode, I was like, whoa, this dude's got chops. 
this dude has got chops and I was totally amazed and absolutely loved it and I think um, another problem another problem will be if you're imagining like your favourite actor being in that role of Doctor Who then you're probably already thinking of him in a performance he's already done yeah. so you you are more likely to be confused or disappointed they're not going to be able to surprise or delight you in the same way that someone that isn't hasn't really been on the radar can mm-hmm. the only thing I will say is that every time you know that I've been in discussions with people about new doctors and things happens everybody says oh I bet you really love it to be a woman wouldn't you and I would actually say no I would not it's not gonna happen no well the thing is I mean for a start like in my head the doctor is a male time lord therefore he would regenerate constantly I mean it, I don't think it's ever been said or not in the episodes that I've watched that he is in fact just a male time lord but I would imagine that if if they were born in such a manner that they could gender switch at random regenerations, A, it would have happened by now. And B, I think the problem with having a female Doctor is the fact that, and this is a weird thing to say, but Doctor Who is one of very, very few role models for boys uh, who doesn't resort to violence in in order to solve problems um he's very smart and he's very funny and he's very compassionate and yeah. that's that's not a, a, a trait that you get a lot in male characters in things so i actually think you'd be doing a disservice uh, by making the character a woman plus i also think there are already a lot of very strong female characters a lot of whom actually the doctor needs and therefore play a very big and important part in his life mm. that i don't think you need to make it a woman to make the show be you know more feminist or whatever i just think it'd be a silly marketing ploy <laughs> no you're totally on the button i think i think you're absolutely right it, it's it's more remarkable that it's a male hero sort of playing against type, if you like, mm-hmm. then I think it would only ever be a novelty if if a woman became the Doctor. And I yeah. think people would, once that novelty is sort of worn off, find themselves a bit frustrated. Not that not, not that I'm making any sort of sexist remark. It's just like it, for the character, it works better this way. No, I agree. And anyway, we have had a female Doctor because there was Joanna Lumley in Doctor Who and the Curse of the Fatal Death. So we we kind of got what we wanted, even though it's not typical, well, it's not really canon. <laughs> it, it does exist, and you can see that anytime you like. This is true. I am becoming very aware of uh, how long this recording is going to be and therefore how difficult it's going to be yeah. for you to even load it onto uh, Audacity <laughs> sure. in order to edit it. So um, how much time do you think we can take to talk about Day Tripper? <laughs> do, do we think it's going to be think less than... Can we keep it to 10 minutes? Think of a number and double it. And um, <laughs> So if that number's five, you're going to be okay. 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 I, I've just we read this. I've just read this. The whole I, thing? Yes, yeah. Uh, well, I assume it's the whole thing. It was the trade, so... Uh, okay, yeah. There's only yeah. one, isn't there? I'm not about to make uh, a burke of myself. Oh, good. <laughs> no. um, which, for those of you that don't know, it's by uh, Fabio Moon and Gabrielle Barr, mm-hmm. whose names I never know whether or not I'm pronouncing right. And It'll essentially... Yes, you can ask I know, I'm very excited. Blankly mm-hmm. taking it with me <laughs> to get it signed and then lick it. Um, it's essentially about a guy who writes obituaries and each issue he dies (laughs) at an entirely different point in his life but that's it's like it's so much more than that at the same time like you hear that description and you think that sounds like garbage but it's oh i thought it was amazing i mean what did you enjoy it loved it oh good (laughs) absolutely loved it the most affecting comic book i have ever ever read i mean it's um 
it, it's beautiful to look at for a start. Mm. Um, the art in it is just stunning. I think the whole idea behind it is, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be some sort of grim tale about a poor bloke who just dies over and over again, but it's just, it asks so many questions of, you know, like, when does life really start? What what actually is important to you in life? You know, and it's, I just thought it was really beautiful. I read it on the train going to Liverpool because I had literally no idea what it was about. Somebody had bought it me for my birthday last year. And I was like, hey, that's like a Beatles song, so I'll read it on the way to Liverpool. That makes sense. Probably wasn't the best idea because I was like really sad. It's just so touching. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it's just, it's beautiful. You've had the advantage of being able to read it in one go. Mm-hmm. When I initially read the run, it was through the floppy. So it's like you'd have to wait every month for the next oh. one to come through. And I'm, you know, I'm not the sort of person who will um, spend any time at all really kind of chasing up all the information about a comic book online. So I was literally just taking each issue as it came. Um, and so when you get through the first like two or three months of reading the story and he dies at the end of every one, you're asking yourself, well, why is he dying? You, you, you haven't quite yet got the story it's trying to tell you. And so there's this, you find yourself early on wondering if there's like a reason that he's dying. Is there time travel involved? What, you know, what kind of story am I being told? But I think by the time I got maybe to the end of the third or the fourth, it was like, no, this is, I can't, I've got no idea how to pronounce that, so I'm going to say brass. I guess it's brass. That's yeah, that's that's, I how exactly. I was, <laughs> that's how I was reading it in my head. <laughs> but um, this is this is an obituary. This is an obituary. If I can put my teeth in, this is an obituary on his life at any given point. It's like, well, what legacy would you have left if things went a particular way? What would have happened? Um, is that the kind of life you wanted to live? What legacy do you leave behind? And that that really ties in so well later on into his connections to like family and and friends and stuff like that and especially with the with the with the uh final issue about him and his father oh and just so much so much angst in their relationship things that needed to kind of just be sorted out this kind of stuff i mean it it it, it's it's affecting and it's very sad but it's bittersweet and it's it's just got such a remarkable emotional depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's not all, it's it's written so well because it's not all in the dialogue. You know, you can read it through the imagery. It's so beautifully realised. Um, Dave Stewart's colouring is just sumptuous. Oh, it's There's, gorgeous. It, top to bottom, there is not a weak, weak spot at all. It is an utter, utter, utter work of art. And like I said, the most affecting comic book I've, ever read and you know the these are the the, you know i'm not i'm not so much into the superhero stuff so this is kind of the stuff that i that i pick up so i can't you know i couldn't really speak for you know great writing and great art in in some of the spandex stuff but i'm you know i must imagine that's right up where with some of the best you know even though it's Mm -hmm. in in traditional terms it's you know 10 issues it's still quite short form but it's like the best writing, the most you know, kind of emotionally on point sort of story that you could get in comics. It's very real is is what it is. struck me because a lot of the things that were happening in the book were so sort of so fantastic. I mean, some of the experiences he had in his life, they were just so beautifully represented. But at the same time, that's so real. And the conversations that people were having, everything felt natural. I think a problem I have a lot of the time with like the Marvel and the DC comics is nobody speaks the way that they speak in those comics. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it just it never feels natural, particularly when older writers are trying to write younger people. That's always ridiculous. But this, it's just, I, I didn't want to stop. I mean, the, the main reason I took it to Liverpool was because I read the first issue before we left the house to get the train. Mm-hmm. And, of course, not knowing what it was about at all, I got to the end of the first issue and the, the character who I assumed would be the main character had died. Yeah. And I was like... Where is this going? So I just took it with me, and um, and I had it read before we even got to Liverpool. We could, oh, it's just, it it's nigh on. Per- it's the closest to a perfect comic book I think I've ever read. Yeah. To be honest, I don't think there's any better way of saying it because I think what what I liked the most about it was that it um oh. How do I say this? What one of my favourite film, actually, my favourite film of all time up to this point, is um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And the reason why mm. I love that film so much is because it is beautiful and it is fantastical, and yet it is so real. But yet it's also, and it asks so many questions about love and the nature of life and memories yeah. and you know things that you've done in your life and would you change this or would you erase that if you could and and this has a very similar i mean it's executed entirely differently but this had a very similar feel to me asked me it made me think about stuff the kind of stuff that you don't think about very often because it would normally make you uncomfortable (laughs) because people don't really want to think about death and the kind of legacies they'd leave or the kind of memories that they have but it's it it's a oh it's just some I can't even I can't even form sentences now it's just <laughs> just go and read it guys if you haven't read it already just go and read it but prepare to be just be a little bit prepared to be a bit sad by the end but it was amazing and I am going to find out whoever that was who bought me that and give them a big smacker on the cheek so you should I will we're rolling up on two hours of recording now this is epic holy mother of pearl is there is there anything else you would like to mention. Before we, <laughs> before I decide to, you know, like I am plaiting my legs, so I really do need to go and have a wee at some point in the not too distant future. It's probably it's probably best I don't actually, because <laughs> could start us we off. could we could open up another half half an hour without even knowing about it. I mean, I could I could probably do this show all over again and talk about a completely different range of stuff. There's loads of stuff we could have gone into. We've you know uh, we could have talked about the most recent uh, season of The Walking Dead. We've got Dexter and Luther coming up pretty soon. Oh, Dexter. Um, Veep. Uh, the second season of Veep is absolutely kicking butt. It's it so is. great. It very much um, is. Plenty of nerd love for things like Adventure Time we could have gone into. Um, I feel like we could have probably talked about wrestling quite a lot. Yep. <laughs> um, so loads of stuff. Um, Silent Hill. If I wanted to nerd about films and games, I could have done that. But um, it's probably it's just probably best we just draw a line under it. Oh, I think I might have to just bring you back next month for part two. <laughs> could do that. <laughs> we probably am, um... come up to the same thing again. We'd be like, oh, two hours. We've got to stop. <laughs> Yeah. I am um, while I'm on that point actually I am very nearly out of people on my list of people who want to come on the show so uh, if you would like to come and be a guest on the show you can get in touch with me at stacysparlour at gmail.com or you can drop me a tweet at stacebobt alternatively uh, if you want to hear Steve again drop me an email and tell me that and to be fair I could probably do this again like tomorrow night if I was free because uh, this was kind of brilliant thank you Steve. I had a lot of fun actually um, it was good anybody who's thinking about coming on this show it's it, it, it might like seem scary but it's actually a lot of fun 
it's and I probably think as we've proved we haven't really run out of things to talk about. So it's okay. no, it's probably actually scarier for me because if I haven't met you in person before, I panic a bit that I'm like, what if we really don't get on and this episode turns into an utter pile of shite? Like, can you imagine? Cons- I just considering, considering we've what we've only seen each other at. Um, I think two thought bubbles and maybe had four or five sentences and the rest of the time we've just been in the same space. We've actually done quite well. <laughs> I think I think so. I think so. Um, um, the, the one good thing about, well, not the one good thing, there are a lot of things, but um, like one of the main good things about doing a podcast in which you have different guests on all the time is that it, it is really helping with social phobias <laughs> <laughs> because um, I am normally terrible at talking to people. So now that I'm sort of having to talk to different people on a fairly regular basis, it's really quite helpful. <laughs> oh, dear. But, yes, um, it was lovely to have you on the show. Thank you very much. And I, I do apologise for the, uh, the technical issues and mucking you about with schedules and that's fine anyway yes do you want to let people know where to get your podcast from again and how they can get in touch with you before yeah of course a little bit of little bit of uh plugging this is weird (laughs) talking about oneself like this is always very strange it's like british it's very it's very british to go oh no i couldn't possibly (laughs) but yeah sure the unanswered podcast that i do with my uh, good buddy nick is at unanswerdpodcast.wordpress.com uh, you can also follow the Twitter account for Unanswered at Unanswered Pod. Um, if you want to say hello to me, that's very kind of you. Please be kind. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Steve Bishop, which is S T double E V B I S H O P, because I spell it a bit weird, but it does mean that I can pretty much snag up domain names whenever i want which is useful <laughs> so basically um if you if you search for that strain steve bishop or one word on google you find a lot of stuff um i've got some sketches up on Flickr. Uh, my website is stevebishop.com um where you can see some of my uh design work and some other sketches and things and yeah that's pretty pretty much it you won't find me on facebook unfortunately um there is one other thing i do kind of on and off which is a bbc news satire which is called beebs news and that's up on tumblr beebs news b-e-e-b-s news.tumblr.com i've done that for just over a year now and close to 200 posts which is pretty crazy because i was only really doing it to stave off some boredom <laughs> but uh but that's 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 been fun you know some days are funny some days aren't so funny but um with nearly 200 posts i'm sure you'll find something vaguely amusing in there as well so that's kind of what i'm up to that was plenty of pimpins. I know, right? You did just really re- like put me in the mind of Mitch Hedberg then. As a, I don't know if you're a Mitch Hedberg fan, but when you said, uh, if you want to talk to me, there's like, <laughs> there's one, I can't remember where he was. There's uh, one CD where he's, uh, he's talking to an audience and he says, oh, if any of you want to come up and talk to me after the show, I'd be fucking surprised, <laughs> <laughs> which really makes me laugh. Yeah, check out Mitch Hedberg, guys. He's really funny. He's also dead, cool. but he's really funny. Yeah, so that's that was episode 17. Fly
Yeah.